0: Welcome to Kingdom Light Church, Stellenbosch. May this life giving word activate your faith today. Thank you to Pastor Henny and Saluami. Thank you so much for this beautiful opportunity. And yes, we're going to say thank you for life this morning. If there's one thing we can say thank you for, it's for God's life. So, church, are you ready for the word are you excited for the word this morning because i always say the biggest gift you can give something someone is a word from god and it reminds me of the words of jesus where he said in john 6 63 these words that i speak to you they are spirit and they are life so this is really a time in the word and i love this theme of the upside down kingdom And I want to explain it to you in these words, and I want to say to you that religion is like a Christmas tree. It's beautifully decorated, but it's dead. Even if you have a plastic Christmas tree, or if you have a live one, by the time it's in your lounge, it's dead. That's exactly what religion is like. But Christianity is all about Jesus Christ. It's about the life, the fact that he's still alive, seated on the right hand of his father. And because of Jesus, we are alive. Do you know, child of God, that even if you die, you're still alive? This is the difference between religion will always kill, but Jesus came to give us this life. And this is what the gospel of Luke does. Luke presents Jesus not only as a Jewish Messiah, but as the Savior of the world. Jesus came and literally saved us from eternal damnation. He gave his, us his life. And I know that Pastor Henny talked about Revelation light last Sunday from Luke 8. And he taught you guys that Jesus is our light. And if we follow this light, we will live in the love life of Jesus, exactly his life. So we're going to talk about life. And what I want to say to you, propose to you this morning, is: if you can see it, you can live it. Life is a journey. It's got a beginning, it's got an in-between, it's got an end, okay? But sometimes we go get so involved in the in-between, in managing this life, that we forget about the most important element of our lives. The most important element of your life is you. The, the importance of all the other things in our life are very small in comparison with you. Because you are the main character of your life story. You're going to, you will hear from the beginning, but you're always even going to be there in the end. That's your life. But the good news is that there is a way for us to know what this journey is going to look like. What you see is what you get. That is exactly what Stephen, what Clarice has talked about. What you see on the inside is what you're going to get on the outside. So there are two ways to see, we can see with our physical eyes or we can see with the eyes of our heart which represents our spiritual eyes. And when we see with the eyes of our hearts, we see into God's realm. We see what God sees. And I want to say to you this morning, I have learned from my life, if you don't like what you see, if you don't like the outside, change what's on the inside. So you're going to say, why is this seeing so important? And we're going to turn to Luke 11. And we've spoken from Luke 11. We're going to turn to Luke 11. And this is where Jesus is talking. He's talking about that the lamp of the body. He's talking about the lamp of the body. And he says, you don't hide that lamp. You put it, because we all know with, with electrical, when the power is off, when it's dark, it's really dark. You simply cannot see. So we don't put a lamp in a cupboard. We put it somewhere where everybody can see it. So verse, Luke eleven thirty three says, no one, when he has little lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but put it on a lampstand that those who come in may see the light. You see the word see, 1134 says, the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Now, friends, we know that Jesus has preached this message before in Luke 8, but here he just rebuked the men of that time because they didn't believe in him, okay? They couldn't see the light even if it was right in front of them. Jesus was speaking to them, but they didn't see the light. If your eye is good, the light of Jesus is going to shine so brightly through you that other people will be drawn to that light. And if other people, as children of God, if people are drawn to you, they're drawn to Jesus. Because that's how we represent. So God's light is never the reason for our blindness. It's how we see how we? Because God's light is always shining. Jesus, the light plus my eyes, will enable me to see the truth. And here is the eye, is the Greek word of talmos, which is speaking about the faculty of knowing. And I've learned what I see with my eye will become, that knowledge will become my an understanding, and then it will become a revelation. And when it becomes a revelation, it changes your life. And it's also speaking about the singleness of motive, and I love this, because any focus that is not single upon Jesus is evil, and that will bring darkness into your life. So Jesus was telling us to get our eyes opened up to his light. We have to keep our focus on him, and we all know when we get sick, and I tell you there was a moment two weeks ago that I felt I was, this was it, that was it. And I called out to Jesus. And that changed my darkness because I was drawn into this dark tunnel. It's the only way I could, I had a mild stroke. I was just, I felt like I was drawing into it, drawn into it. And I called out, that's all I'd that Greg prayed for me, but called out the name of Jesus. And that was the light. That is what saved me. So when we focus on him, remember he's the only truth and that is why I want to just tell you a little story when we, before we begin. Once upon a time, once upon a time there was a chicken farmer and he used to walk in the woods every afternoon, late afternoon with his dogs and as he was walking in the woods that day he came upon a little baby eagle lying on the ground. And he picked this eagle up and it was still alive, so he put it in his jacket and he kept on with walking. And as he was almost to his house, he was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this eagle because I've never looked after a baby eagle before. And because he was a chicken farmer and a very busy guy, he thought, I'm just going to put the eagle with the chickens. And this is how the life of the eagle started with the chickens. And what did he do? He slept with the chickens. He ate what the chickens ate. He, he, he didn't know what to do. It was a baby eagle. He didn't have his mommy and his daddy with him. So he copied the chickens. And one day when he was outside just picking up bugs in the ground like the chickens, he saw a big shadow out of the corner of his eye, of his eye going over him. And he looked up and he realized something. He was looking at himself and looking up. And at that moment, Mr. Rooster came past. And Mr. Rooster said to him, don't you even think about it. You're a chicken, and you will always be just a chicken. So this eagle never discovered what God created him to be. He simply copied what the chickens were doing. But there was a moment, friends, that this eagle saw there was a moment that he recognized, but his heart wasn't connected with that truth. There was nothing in his heart that he was sure about. That is why we have to be sure in our hearts who we are. Because this eagle lived in our life as t- a chicken. He missed his God-given identity. Imitation will always replace revelation. We need a change of identity to live a godlike destiny. We have to change who we think we are on the inside, otherwise, it's never going to happen. So, let us turn to Luke 19. We're going to see what happened to a man who was desperate to see Jesus. This is the story of Zacchaeus. I asked Greg how to pronounce this correctly. So, bear with me. So, from verse 1, we know this is Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. It says, verse two. Now, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, for but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when the people saw it, they all complained, saying, he's going to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. Typical people, hey, looking at someone on the outside. But uh, then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, i restore full fold. And Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house because he's also a son of Abraham. And I love the end. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save which was lost. Now, I want to focus on verse 4. It says, So Zacchaeus ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was going to pass that way. Now, this word seek here is the Greek word Ida, which means to seek properly, to know, to understand to consider. And so there's a few lessons that I want us to learn this morning from the story of Zacchaeus. He was curious about Jesus. He heard about Jesus, but he was curious. He wanted to see him, but he wanted to see him properly. He wanted to understand him, and he wanted to know him. So Zacchaeus must have heard about Jesus, and that was the beginning of the breakthrough in this man's life. Just the fact that he was curious about him. It's almost like something happens to us and we just simply take what happened. No, we've got to be curious. We've got to think what Jesus would say about this thing. It's in that moment that we know that this is not from God. So if I know Jesus, I want to understand what he is saying about something in this situation. So we know. Let's look at the background on Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. So this man was a social and a religious outcast. He worked with the Roman Empire against the Jews. He was a rich man. Friends, he wasn't a rich man by his own efforts. He actually took money from people. So he was a thief in a way. That's what, so this is what we can say about him. So he was not a popular man. But the end of the story tells a completely different thing about Zacchaeus. Verse 8 tells us, it says, it tells us that he's a man with a changed heart because he said he will give to the poor, and he will restore fourfold. So this is what happens. For me, Zacchaeus is the most beautiful picture of someone who met Jesus, someone whose heart connected with the truth. Suddenly, he became a giver. He became a restorer. So what do we learn from Jesus? Jesus didn't connect with Zacchaeus to receive something from him. No, Jesus connected with Zacchaeus because he wanted to give him something. He wanted to save him. He wanted to give him a new life. And that's exactly what he wanted to do with us this morning. Jesus wants to connect with us. He wants to give us a new life. Jesus is personal with us. Zacchaeus didn't invite Jesus to his house. Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. And this is what he's doing right now with each one of us. He always wants to give us something. He wants to give us healing. He wants to give us salvation. He wants to give us provision. He wants to give us protection, everything that we need. And what I love about this as well about Jesus, he identified himself with a sinner. Guys, nobody else identified. The people didn't like him. He was really not a nice guy. But even though he was not a nice guy, Jesus identified with him. Why? Because Jesus saw Zacchaeus' heart. He looked at his heart. He saw that he needed something from Jesus. Verse 5 in Luke 19 says, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. This scripture is referring to more than just the angle of Jesus' head at that moment. This word, look up, is the Greek word, anablepo, which means to see again, to see twice, to recover sight, to receive sight. Now, these words have been used in the Bible 25 times and 15 times it was referring to a blind man receiving sight. So Jesus saw more than what he could see with his physical eyes. He looked with his spiritual eyes, and this is how we're supposed to live life as well. Look with the eyes of your heart, because the truth is seen with the eyes of your heart, and I love it. Jesus doesn't. It's exactly how Jesus looked at us this morning. He doesn't look at your flaws he doesn't look at our sins or our wrongdoings. No, he looks at our hearts. He looks, Jesus sees what we need. This is the confidence we have in Christ, that he always knows what you and I need before we even speak a word. So what is all this emphasis on the word see in this, in what I want to share with you this morning? is because Jesus is just painting a picture for us here of uh, the effect of to see with our hearts. What is the effect here? You are going to see what you, you are going to get what you can see. This is Jesus seeing, Zacchaeus seeing Jesus, and because he wanted to see Jesus, he received Jesus. And I want to ask us this morning, what are we willing to do for, to see Jesus in our lives? Zacchaeus climbed a tree. He became visible to everybody around him, standing out, this short little sinful evil man, you know, suddenly everybody, what are we willing to see? Are are we willing to look past people? Are we willing to look even past our past uh, imperfections or our failures? Are we willing to go past that to see Jesus in our relationships, to see him in my job, to see him in my life, to see him in my children. What am I prepared to do to see Jesus? Because Zacchaeus so desperately wanted to see Jesus that he was willing to be vulnerable. And meeting Jesus changed his heart completely. It changed his life. So your heart will confirm or cancel your meeting with Jesus. It's all about our hearts like Clarice says. It's all about that. I love how the Holy Spirit just puts messages together because it is really all about our hearts. Your response on your circumstances does matter. And if your heart is sure about who you are in Christ, your response will be different. And I'm talking to myself here this morning, it's easy to get used to life. It's, it, it's easy to get entangled in the things of life. The word tells us, with my heart I believe until salvation. So if you don't see or believe it in your heart, you're never going to see it in your life. Look, 19 verse 10, I love how this ends. For son of man has come to seek and to save which was lost. Do you guys know what seek means? It's a Greek word, "zeo" It means to desire to seek in order to find, to crave. Jesus is craving to find you this morning, to bless you, to change your life. When I see Jesus, I'm going to get Jesus. That's all I can say to you. What you see with the eyes of your heart is what we will see in our lives. Our hearts are so important. I'm thinking about Proverbs 4, 23 at the moment. It's in the message it says, keep vigilant watch over your heart because that is where life starts that vigilant watch is keep watch, be on alert, you know, and that's why our hearts are so important. If my heart stops beating, I'll die. But our our spiritual hearts can also die. We can also not receive, not because it's not God's timing. I'm sorry, I, I, I do not like those words, God's timing. Do you know when was God's timing? when Jesus died on the cross and paid for it in full, when he was resurrected. That's God's timing. He's already done a complete finished work. That is why we can stand today and we can say, God, with all my heart, I believe. And Jesus, you know, Jesus makes life so simple. He said, if you believe, you will receive. That's all we have to do we have to believe. Your heart will design your destiny and it will shape your identity. Our heart is the birthplace of who we are. We are not just we are physically. You are not just what your family tells you you are. We are who God says we are. So we know that God gave us a new identity. He said in 2 Corinthians 5 17, we are a complete new creation. So none of us can say we look physically like Jesus but in our spirit, we are exactly like Jesus, and that's just what I want us to confirm in our hearts again this morning. Why is identity so important? Because we live from our identity. I respond, you know, we respond in life. We actually respond on people from our identity, you respond. That's why sometimes you can just lash out at someone, you know, where did this come from? Because your identity are not sure in who you truly are. The word tells us that I'm not from this world. We're in this world, says John in John 17, 16, but we're not from this world. You're greater. Remember this scripture? I have to share Luke 7:28, with you. Jesus is talking about John the Baptist, but I'm going to show you. He's talking about you this morning. He says, for I say to you, among those born of woman, there's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Among those of natural creation, no one at that moment was greater than John the Baptist. But the fact that you and I are born again puts us on a whole different level. We are not just natural, okay? But this is talking, Jesus was talking, no one was greater than John. No, not Abraham, not King David, not Elijah, not the Shunammite woman who I love so much. Nobody, they were, nobody were greater than John the Baptist. And then he says, but he who is least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. Just the fact that we are born again. We are greater than those Old Testament saints. Being a baby in God's kingdom is far higher than being a king in in any other kingdom. Sorry, King Elizabeth. But that's exactly how it is. Being a baby, even I just got born again right now, I am higher than John the Baptist, all the other saints. We have so much more. We have so much more. This is just wonderful. I always think about when I get to heaven, how awesome it's going to be to meet Moses to meet King David, to meet all these guys. But you know what the word tells us? That they are waiting with expectation. They are looking to us to see what it's like to be a child of God on this earth. They are looking forward to meeting you. They can't wait to hear what you did here while you were here. They can't wait to hear how many people you told about Jesus, how many you cared for, how many you, you gave a meal to eat. They can't wait to hear that we had the Holy Spirit and He changed everything because He came alive for us. I'm God-possessed. I love this. I'm God-possessed. I'm trained by God Himself. Luke 12 verse 12 tells us, For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. That is why we can have this confidence that even if someone asks us a difficult question, God will tell me what to say in love. And this is the wonderful about the Holy Spirit. It will always be in love. It will never be condemnation. It will never be talking down to people. It will always be in love. And this is one of the wonderful truths of Christianity. We are never on our own. We are never on earth. We are God-possessed. The Holy Spirit is always with us, always guiding us. And then the most precious, precious thing for me about our identity is we are carrier of God's presence. And saints, I think we don't believe this well enough we are carrier of God's presence. I know this is not a scripture from Luke, but 1 John 4:17 says, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. As Jesus is right now, so are we in this world. If you want to know what you look like, who you are, what God has made you, who you are because of Jesus, we have to look at the effect that Jesus had on this world when he was here. And I went and I went through Luke and I just wrote a few things down. How did the presence of Jesus change lives in Luke, in the gospel of Luke? He raised a widow's son from the dead. Jesus cast out an unclean spirit. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. He... he uh, Fed 5,000 men, he healed a paralyzed man, a leper, a, worlded, a withered hand, Jairus' daughter, which you've also spoken about during this theme, a woman who was sick for 12 years. Jesus cleansed 10 lepers. Jesus heals the centurion's servant by just speaking a word. I want, to, I want you to see you in this story. This is what Jesus did, but this is what we can do. We can heal someone with simply speaking a word. A blind man received his sight. Jesus stole the storm. We're not scared of storms, because if Jesus said a word, peace, be still. If someone is sick or angry, we can say, peace, be still. That's who we are. This is the CV of Jesus Christ, and John wrote that we are just like him. Everything, I love this, the fact that we have a connection with Jesus, and that is our spirit. Every miracle that Jesus did, he did it from his spirit. And this is where our oneness with him lies. We are complete in him, fulfilled. So his miraculous power came available to us. We can do the same, there's no difference. I remember growing up, I think it was the pastor standing up there. Isn't it wonderful? to have the word and to have Jesus's life to show us how we can live this life. I hope we're all going to raise the bar a little bit this morning, our expectation. So you and I can never ever go somewhere and say, God, where are you? Have you ever heard people talking about they went through a valley in a desert and they were all by themselves. God just leave them there. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. Okay. When you walk into a room, God's presence is with you. When you drive to another town, God's presence goes with you. Doesn't matter where we are, God's presence is always with us. We simply cannot escape His presence. Presence, and to really appreciate this, I really want us to look at the Ark of the Covenant, and for that we're going to go to Samuel second. Sorry, guys, Second Samuel six. We know this is David didn't want to take the Ark of the Covenant after Uzzah died and took it to Obed-Edom's house. Now 2 Samuel 6 verse 11 says, the Ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Verse 2 said, now it was told King David, they were telling him, saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. Now we all know that the ark of God was a big deal in that time because it was a sign of the presence of God. So just by God's presence being in Obed-Edom's house, it says, him and all his household Was blessed. They were so blessed that King David actually got jealous of that and we can't blame him because he missed out on that, okay. All that belonged to him was blessed by him. Now the revelation I get from this is that you and I are like the Ark of the Covenant because Corinthians Paul tells us, are you not aware that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Okay. In the Old Testament, the ark was a representation of God's presence, but in the New Testament, under the new covenant, our bodies are a representation of the presence of God. Now, the presence of God used to be something that nobody had access to, but we've got absolute access to the presence of God. He came and lived on the inside of us. That just changed everything. That means his healing power is on the inside of me. It's alive on the inside of me. His provision is just here. His peace is just here. I told you I think before, Andrew Womack says, that's why we bow our heads to pray, because God just lives right here. He is just here on the inside of us. Everything, his provision, everything is a part of this new creation that God made us. So did you know that you can expect blessing everywhere you go? Did you know that if someone invites you, if someone gives you a job, if, if someone comes to visit you, they are blessed? Because wherever you go, this is like the time with COVID, friends, wherever we go, God's healing power goes with us. That is why, just like in those times when people walk in our shadows, they will be healed. But we have to believe it. We have to be aware of it. It's not about me. It's about Jesus it's about the presence of Almighty God that came to live on the inside of us now I think about demons I don't know about you guys but I've heard horror stories about demons people make a big fuss about the devil and let me tell you something he's just good with BR because his bark is bigger than his bite okay because the presence of God will kill any demon in hell he will not be able to survive that's just how mighty God's presence is. And we are carriers of that presence. So we can, you, you and I can actually control the atmosphere wherever we go. Yeah. You can choose if you're going to release dominance or if you're going to take whatever is trying to get to you. Yeah. It's amazing. Let us see ourselves of the representation of God's presence, that you can change any circumstance not by you, by God being in you. When you go to a place of darkness, you take his presence with you, and darkness cannot survive in light. I'm sorry, we've all seen it. It can't. God is just so good. So how are we, you and I, going to manifest this presence of God in our lives? What did we learn? By changing the eyes of our hearts by seeing with our spirit and by keeping our focus on Jesus. And one of the beautiful stories that I love in the New Testament is the story of Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus. Let us see how keeping focus on Jesus and running to be in his presence changes life. Let's go to Luke 18 from verse 35 it says a blind man receives his sight i'm just going to read it to you here then it happened as he was coming near jericho that's talking about jesus that a certain blind man sat by the road begging and hearing a multitude passing by he asked what it meant so they told him that jesus of nazareth was passing by and he cried out jesus son of david Have mercy on me. Now, this happened in the last six months of Jesus' ministry. And Bartimaeus heard about Jesus. You see what happened to Zacchaeus? The same thing. He heard about Jesus. Bartimaeus, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Okay? So, it's interesting what he says as he called out to Jesus, saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. This means that he actually knew that uh, Jesus was the king of the Jews because he called him Son of David, okay? And then we can know this is what people do. Someone calling out to Jesus. I can imagine myself going to stand in a corner, standing in a corner. People are going to walk around me. They're going to think I'm crazy. This is exactly what happened to Bartimaeus because it says that the people warned him that he should be quiet. And what we learn from this is there will always be someone to tell you to keep quiet. There will always be someone say, not now. You can tell us next week, but not now. These people will be offended because they don't know the Lord. No. If we go back to the account in Mark as well, he kept on crying out. He didn't keep quiet. Friends, the devil is always going to send someone to tell you you're not worthy. Why are you crying out? What makes you so special? What about what you did yesterday? That Jesus doesn't heal anymore? That you're not good enough? There's always voices in our words, world. And this is what happened to blind Bartimaeus. And remember, he was a blind man. In other words, their hearing senses are very strong because he can't see because they really go on sound. I mean, even where they walk, they use the sound around them to walk. But he did not... They. they it's just like he didn't even listen to them because the truth of the matter is if Bartimaeus listened to the crowd that day, he wouldn't have been healed. He kept on calling out and then verse 40 tells us that Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. He caught the attention of Jesus. He's crying out, made the Lord stop. Now, At that moment, Bartimaeus is a beautiful example for me as someone who connected with the presence of God by his calling out. And I want to ask you, are you calling out? Are we going to call out in that moment? Save my life. And Bartimaeus' attention was focused only on Jesus because he could have been focused on the people. Especially, remember, he was a beggar, he was blind. Now I want to go back to the account of Mark. Because uh, Luke does not tell us about this moment. Mark 10:50 said, "And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus." So in those days, they actually wore cloaks. That will tell people if they're a beggar or if they're blind or whatever. And what he did is the moment for me also, maybe he felt constricted by it. This was his old life, and he's seeing the Lord of life right in front of him. And he threw that off and he went to Jesus. So this garment to me is a picture of his standing in life. It's a picture of his identity, and it's a picture of the fact that he was a beggar, but. He threw it off. He left it behind. He didn't take his old identity on the way to meet Jesus. So many times we keep on carrying this old identity, like you're not good enough, or you made you were divorced many years ago. We carry it with us through our lives. That's not what God wants. Meeting Jesus will respond. There's always a response. And when he met Jesus, when he saw Jesus in front of him, he just knew, this is it. I can leave it behind. This is what Jesus did. So what amazed did, he ran from who he was to who he was going to be. But that was his choice. There were so many things that could keep him in that same place. He went from a blind beggar to a healed, a blessed, and a saved man and you can read the end of the stories, is that he went on to follow Jesus. Sometimes we literally have to run away from that picture. you know what? I don't know about you guys, but I was very poor. For many years were four girls on a woman's salary. That was tough. I think my kids were out of school four years. I was still paying off school funds. That's how tough it was. And you know, still today, I have to work, Yaron Greg will tell you, I have to work hard on my heart when I go do shopping. Because it's easy for me, those days, you buy a little coffee like this, and a little this, because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. Because when I paid everything that I had to pay, that was it in a month. By God's grace, we came through. But I could carry on living like this even though I'm, I've got an awesome husband providing for me. Even though God is good, just giving and giving and pouring into our lives. I can still be in that place. Don't stay there. You are beautiful. You are amazing. God created you for great things. Bartimaeus was blind. Not one of us, are we blind? So God is opening our eyes this morning to see how amazing he made us. We are what he says we are. And I love what Jesus said to him that day. He said, what do you want me to do for you today? And that's what he's always telling us. What do you want me to do for you today? And then he said to him, go, go your way, go live your life. He says, just go be this new person that I created you to be. This is who I want you to be. God never made anybody blind. He never made anybody a beggar. But because of things that happens in life, I can become a beggar. It's possible. But it's always our choice. Are we going to see Jesus? Are we going to notice him when he comes in? Are we going to see him in that moment where it's so tough I literally cannot see with my physical eyes. That's a good thing, because that's when we look at Jesus. In the Message Bible, it says, your faith saved you and healed you. Now, saints, I have learned that if something isn't my personal revelation, it means nothing in my life. Someone can preach until they blew in their faces. I tried to live on Andrew Womack's revelation for three years. It didn't do me any good. So you can accumulate knowledge, but we've got to take it. We've got to be so serious about it. We've got to see it. And then that focus, and let me tell you, we've all had bad things. COVID has been such a big thing. It's so easy to focus on what people say, all these stories that's going around. Let's keep our focus on Jesus. Because the revelation of who we are in Christ will bring things. Confirmation of truth confirmation of truth. And all I want to say to you this morning is God gave us hearts to feel life, to experience life. And then Jesus said he gave us life abundantly. He wants us to live good lives. And he wants us to, wherever we go, to touch other people's lives. But you're never going to be able to do that if you don't know where you are. God has given us free reign. He's such a gentleman. He said, I give you free will. You can choose. And you know, whatever choices I make today, I make for myself, I make for Greg, I make for my kids, and I make for my grandchildren. It goes on. It goes on forever because we're going to live forever. We've got eternity to look forward to. But this life here, I feel sometimes now when I listen to people, they just want to don't live this life because it's become horrible. And it is. It's a dark place. But we don't have just us, we have God Almighty. Jesus came to really save us. That means, that saving, the words, Greek word sozo, it means he healed us. He protects us. He made us whole. Every morning, do you know, every morning that you put your foot on the ground, that's a new day for you to be a picture of the presence of God in your life. Because you, were, you are not who you were. We are not what other people say we are. I know we live in tough times, but I think this is exciting to be children of God. We live in a different kingdom. He brought us from the kingdom of darkness into his kingdom of light. So let us go be that light. That's what Jesus is saying to us this morning. Go live your life. Go be happy. Go be healthy. If sickness comes, chase it away. Oh, I have made a decision that nothing is going to face me. I've said it for the past few years, and then almost two Fridays ago, lip phased me, because there's always a moment that you can just give in. because our bodies are so strong, when it takes you, it will take you, but you have to say, no, I'm not done yet on this earth, but I'm not just here to be, I'm here to be Jesus, I'm here to love him to the world. I trust this word has blessed you this morning, because God loves you. I want to say he loves you with an everlasting life. He has called each one of you for ministry. We all walking ministers ministries wherever we go. So be who he made you to be. Stand up, be proud. You are beautiful. You are God sent. You are God possessed. In Jesus' name, we thank him. Amen. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father, for your word this morning. Thank you, Father, that you're changing destinies this morning. Thank you, Lord, by faith we can receive everything that you've done for us. Oh, Lord, Father God, we love you so much. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. I'm speaking to broken hearts this morning. You are healed in Jesus' name. I'm speaking to brokenness and bodies this morning. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Receive it. I'm speaking to destinies this morning. There's new businesses rising up in this congregation. God is showing us new ways to do things because you are financiers of the kingdom, children of God. God is bringing finances this morning into this house in Jesus' name. Just trust Him. Just trust Him. God is saying, Come to me. You are weary and burdened because I will give you rest. Thank you, Father, that we are the anointed of the Lord. I speak it over you this morning. You're anointed. You've got God's favor surrounding you as with a shield. God is loving you this morning. He's saying to you, my child, I love you. You are precious. Be excited about life because I'm excited about you. I just pray God's richest blessings over each and every one of you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for doing a major job in all of our hearts. Thank you, Jesus, that we will never, ever be the same again from this day. If we think it was good, it's going to be so much better. Thank you for saving our children and our grandchildren. Thank you, Lord, for giving them lives, even though this world looks dark. You have a plan and a purpose for them, and that plan is perfect. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for enriching our lives this morning. With your word, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstallenbosch.co.za.